Welcome to the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast, part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network, where we put the power of dynamic fitness back in your hands one mental rep at a time. Effective thinking for potent fitness. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome to season six of Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. We've been rolling pretty hard into this technology with uh, for fitness and wellness this season. Um, so welcome back. I'm Jennifer Schwartz, and I have my lovely co-host here. Angela. <laughs> Damaline. <laughs> Damaline. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and we have a uh, friend and colleague of the podcast here today, Paul Juris. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here. It's uh, It's been really fun having these conversations because many of you know I love integrating technology into my own process here at the studio and at the gym or at home or just on any points of my self-care. And uh, we get so many questions like, why do I use certain technologies and what what I think could be best. So this is why we're dedicating a whole season to it. And it's just, it's just so fun to meet and greet and greet, uh, meet and chat with <laughs> innovators and industry leaders like yourself. So um, the big thing, uh, I think, you know, people are wondering why you're here. I mean, like you're the host of Fitness for Consumption. We know you as the kinesiology guy. Uh, and so, you know, what, I guess, tell people, you know, why we invited you here. Well, that's, uh, I was going to ask you that question, but actually, <laughs> actually, you know, there are a couple of things that I've been working on and, and there's the tech part, which you mentioned, and I've spent the last 10 years developing technology for fitness. So it's something that is very close to what I do every day, which is a lot of fun. But on, at the same time, my wife and I started a sleep mask company and it has very specific scientifically based features in it. However, our objective with it was to not use technology, but to actually have a more simple self-directed solution that was a complement to technology. So we didn't want to reinvent the wheel. We didn't want to have another wearable. Well, quote, this is a wearable because it's a sleep mask, <laughs> so you put it on your head. But um, we, we didn't want to have something that was already tracking data because there are other things out there. And, you know, as we get into the discussion, one of our strategic partners is Aura Ring. And so we really liked what they were doing. And we developed a partnership with them. And so we get a lot of valuable feedback and information from them, technically speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's mm -hmm. a great partnership. So it's a complement of non-tech and tech, how they work together. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yes. Well, I think it's time for us to just have a moment because we, <laughs> <laughs> we both love our Somo sleep mask. Love. Love. Thank and you. And it's golden retriever proof. It is. <laughs> wow. It is. Can we put that on our website? <laughs> uh, we, we'd love yeah, to put that I mean, as a testimonial. He goes for it first thing in the morning, every morning. Wow. So, yeah, I know. 
And I do keep it away from him, but you know, it's, it's his favorite kind of plushy, I think. And it's my favorite. We fight over it every morning. <laughs> so we, we should anyway. send him one. He could sleep with it too. I mean, we haven't <laughs> oh tested God. it on dogs yet, but you know, there's always a first time. <laughs> oh man. He has no problem zonking out. Um, so yeah, I mean, where do I start? I I was so excited to give you one when oh. PJ sent us uh, a batch last, you know, around last winter, and I mean, I just I love the coverage. I love the acu. I think I can call this an acupressure point in the Correct. front here. Yes. Oh, yeah, and I've I've had lots of sleep masks, and I I just you know hands down this is the best and i will i'm standing on that hill i'm gonna stay there it's it's my fave i was so happy to receive the gift that you gave me and it from day one yeah it was like wow and like you i've tried a bunch of sleep masks and i know how important it is to optimize sleep and that's always been something that's a real high priority for me um so just the fact that i can also i'm also highly sensitive with my like just input and stimulus for my, my nervous system. And this allows me to like relax. Cause instead of like, there's a mask on my face, there's a mask on my face, there's a mask on my face, you know, it's like, oh, it's just uh, dark <laughs> and I can sleep. So thank you for putting so much um, of your heart, you and your wife and your, you know, the, the gathering of the data to make a, a product so special that's really enhanced our lives. Mm-hmm. Wow, thank you, and and you're welcome. Look, we when we developed this, we didn't want to just do another thing. You know, there are plenty of sleep masks on the market. You know, go to Amazon; there are a zillion of them. Most of them are remnants from other types of textile manufacturing. They've got leftover fabric, so they go ahead and make it into a sleep mask. Uh, there are a few purposeful uh, products out there. But we wanted to be very deliberate. We wanted to design something with very specific functionality. And what was interesting for us is when we were doing consumer research, we sent surveys out to well over 300 people. Jen, you were one of those who completed our survey. And we were certainly expecting to get information about the requirements of light blocking and comfort and hygiene and all of those things, which we took seriously, we built that into the product. But the thing that was most startling to us was the fact that more than 60% of our respondents said the reason they couldn't fall asleep in the first place was because they were stressed. They couldn't turn off their brain, they couldn't relax. So even if you put a sleep mask on, if you're stressed, if you have anxiety, if you're thinking about stuff, you just, you can't fall asleep in the first place. Mm. So, you know, I'm a research scientist. The thing that I wanted to do is say, okay, how do I solve this problem? I, I'm going to have a sleep mask, but is that the only thing I can do? And then as I started to dig deep into it, I discovered acupressure. And with a lot of research and looking at a lot of actual clinical studies, started to understand that acupressure is a real stress reducer. And, mm-hmm. and, the, and the studies show it. It's really good for creating relaxation, whether it's muscular relaxation or just general relaxation. And then there's this one particular acupoint right between your eyebrows. It's called the yin-tang point. And all mm-hmm. these clinical studies appeared of how it reduces stress and anxiety. So we said, okay, we're going to build this into it because it makes sense. 
and there's clinical support mm-hmm. for it. And we did. And then what you have is uh, our patent pending product. So the patent is almost mm-hmm. complete. We're expecting that to be approved very soon. And then it's onward and upward. What else can we do? We also have a new uh, advisory board member in Jay Cho, who's a world-renowned acupressure provider. He's a licensed massage therapist, but he's a clinical acupressure provider. And he's advising us on all kinds of things that we can do, not only with this, but with with extensions of this product as well. So, yeah, it's mm. we, it's been received it really well. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's we're we're looking at, at look for sports performance application, rehabilitation, mm. recovery application. So we're looking at a lot of different things going forward. But this is our baby. It's where we started. <sighs> Congrats. We love it. Thank we're you. so we're big fans. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, and what's funny is I did get the, um, the dark benefit. I was into that, of course. But I sleep in a black room now. And I still, you know, find tremendous benefit to the mask. So that makes total sense after think, uh, reflecting on the acupressure point And where do you want to start? Well, wow. You know, um, I love your, your point of view of gathering data and then putting it all together. And what were a couple other, did you find um, surprising informational points that you got from your surveys from people? Was, was there anything outstanding? You know, well, that obviously was was the big shocker. Uh, the The one thing that was really interesting is that the group was divided into different types of sleepers. So some people sleep on their side, some people sleep on their back, some people sleep face down. And to try to resolve all of those pain points, literally pain points, because what happens with a lot of sleep masks is the headband or the elastic piece of elastic, which eventually stretches mm-hmm. out, um, those things cause pressure points around the head. Typically, there's a buckle on those for sizing it, or there's overlapping Velcro. So, the, one of the challenges that we had to resolve was how do we design something that has no pressure points? but isn't just a little piece of stretchy elastic that's going to wear out in a week or two. What we resolved, what we came up with was our sport model. I think you folks have the Lux model, right? So it's the all-in-one. Mm-hmm. The sport mm-hmm. model is the adjustable one, and it's we call it sport, but it's not for sports. It's just the, the name of the product. But the headband is is super thin and completely seamless all the way around. There's no buckle. There's no overlapping Velcro. There's nothing there to create a pressure point. But the Velcro attachments to the mask are on the temples of the mask. So that when you apply that and adjust the size, it's smooth and seamless all the way around your head. So regardless of whether you sleep on your back or your side or your, or your front, it's going to fit comfortably and it's not going to create any pressure and discomfort around the head. So that was the other thing is really understanding how people sleep. Mm. Beyond that, it was, yeah. you know, the, the traditional stuff. We want to be able to throw it in the washing machine. Uh, you put a silk mask in the washing machine and you ruin it. So mm-hmm. we wanted to be able to clean it. it. It's antimicrobial materials that we put in there and, so those are the typical things, 
but certainly the the nature of people's sleep habits and stress were the two primary things that we learned. And that's what we solved for. And those are the patents that we've applied for. Well, uh, I hope it goes, it goes the whole way with the patent. I mean, we hope so too. Yeah, I wanna, that's a process. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I know it's like, uh, did you see the, the Eagles and Commanders game this weekend? There's a 54-year-old. I, I saw the highlights, <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, my God. This guy, I mean, he's a, he's a star. He, his field goal was 54 yards. It was a banger. So I hope I hope it's that. I hope, I, <laughs> yeah, because it, it deserves it. So what about, I, and I've seen this on, on the SOMO website, the term sleep fitness. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get into that. I mean, I, these are two things I love, sleep and fitness. What does the term together mean? It's a good question. <laughs> when you look at the traditional sleep markets, they mm-hmm. were really focusing on people with sleep deprivation, right? So with cl- mm-hmm. chronic sleep disorders. And that was the way the market was approached. And so you saw these medications over the counter or prescription drugs. Uh, and, and that was really the market. But then all of a sudden, there was this emergence of sleep as a component of a fitness regimen. So not only are we looking at exercise, nutrition, healthy habits, but then including sleep as the restorative and recovery process that allows the body to do what it needs to do in order to recover and function properly. So we saw this as the convergence of these two things, as a larger potential market than just saying, we want to help the sleep deprived. No, we also want to help those people who see sleep as an integrated component of their overall health and wellness. And so when we put that together, we have what we would refer to as sleep fitness. It also works well with technology devices like Aura Ring, which are mm-hmm. fitness trackers. And mm-hmm. so when you start to see changes in Aura scoring, right, so the nightly sleep scores that you get from the Ring, we've got a lot of feedback from customers of ours saying, hey, you know, I've been using this for two weeks and all of a sudden my sleep quality scores are going up. So we're very excited about that. And so that lends to this idea that sleep and fitness are really two peas in the same pod. And that's how we came up with this idea of sleep fitness. And it does mm-hmm. resonate. You're, if you're helping so many people improve their aura scores, I mean, I think you and Lisa are banking some good karma here. because We're trying. <laughs> It is so, it's such a, like good, uh, quality sleep is such a blessing. I, I reflect on that often because I definitely have, I had chronic sleep issues as a younger person and didn't realize it until I, I started using supplements for performance in my twenties. And I just, I, it, it just clicked. I was, I wasn't educated on sleep. Um, or what was good sleep. Um, it was also, I had a, a ton of traumatic, several traumatic years starting when I was a teenager up until in my 20s. And yeah, so I never take a quality 
good night of sleep for granted. Like I, I wake up every morning and I'm like, thank you. Like I seriously, anyways, uh, we would love to get into some of the findings you found, uh, maybe something I, you wanted to ask about sleep and, you know, body performance, yeah. right? Yeah. So go ahead. Following up on your last point with fitness and sleep, you know, what you're doing is addressing a major problem and common denominator with a lot of our clients who have chronic pain, who would like to lose weight, who are struggling with an overabundance of prescription pharmaceuticals. And so one of the ways I think you can help our listeners understand um, why Jen and I put, like really <laughs> go in hard on like, how are you sleeping? What is your light diet like? You know, um, Perhaps you could share with us a few key highlights between, in particular, obesity and sleep deprivation or chronic insomnia and how that relates to obesity in the context of, you know, people can diet all they want. They can, like, over-exercise all they want. But if they're not sleeping, it's like you can't ask your body to be healthy and create homeostasis and, you know, be metabolically optimized if you're not sleeping. So could you share with us a few insights that you found the most prominent that could help people understand really how relevant and important it is for their metabolic health to get quality sleep? Yeah, so there's there's actually a lot of clinical research available on sleep deprivation and the side effects or, you know, the the detrimental effects of not having sleep, Uh, anxiety, depression. Uh, You know, you mentioned obesity, which is really interesting. There is a correlation between sleeplessness and caffeine and sugar consumption. So a lot of people who are not getting enough sleep find themselves drinking excessive amounts of coffee, but also eating a lot of sugary items. Well, there's a relationship between how much sugar you eat and obesity. So one of the things that people do as a remedy for sleeplessness is consume all these things, which just contributes to a less healthy state in the first place. It's also important to understand the restorative properties of sleep, right? So being able to even enhance your critical thinking skills, which occurs during deep sleep. So deep sleep is that really restorative state in which your overall cognitive function is improving and being repaired and being enhanced. So a a specific loss of deep sleep states leads to fuzziness, inability to think effectively, inability to perform effectively the next day. All of those things lead to the kinds of habitual behaviors that result in obesity and other unhealthy fitness states. So Mm -hmm. getting adequate deep sleep is really important. And when you measure sleep health, as Aura does, Sleep quality is a function of how much deep sleep you get. Now, it's cyclic through the night. So you don't start off in light sleep and then go into deep sleep and stay there all night and maybe get some REM sleep and come out of it. It, You cycle through this every few hours. So you go from Mm -hmm. light sleep to deep sleep to REM and then back to light and so forth and even to wakefulness. And 
waking up in the middle of the night is not necessarily unusual or, um, you know, it's not necessarily a problem provided that you get right back to sleep. And so there are measures of efficiency, which is how much time do you spend sleeping versus how much time do you spend awake? And you want obviously much more sleep time than wake time. But it's that deep sleep state that is completely restorative, metabolically, cognitively, the lack thereof then leads to these other problems that you're discussing. You know, it's interesting. I've had sleep problems too, not in falling asleep. I fall asleep in a, in a heartbeat, but I wake up in the middle of the night. I don't know what it is. It's just my habit. So for a time, I would just lay awake. I mean, if I woke up at two o'clock, I couldn't get back to sleep until six o'clock in the morning. I'd be up for four hours in the middle of the night, and then mm -hmm. I'd get two hours of sleep in the morning. I'd be a zombie the whole next day. So now when I wake up at two in the morning, I put my sleep mask on, I get right back to sleep. So it's, you know, different uses for different cases. But yeah, I think it's trying to help people understand how to achieve a better state of deep sleep that can mm. help them with their physical, metabolic and cognitive functions throughout the next day. And by the way, when people yeah. take all of those prescriptions or consumables, there's actually data that show that people are more groggy and more sleepy as a result of doing that, as opposed to coming, being awaking more refreshed and ready to go and capable. It's like they're being sedated rather than actually getting sleep. Correct. It's exactly right. And, you know, you said this is one of the benefits that I found is I wake up less in the middle of the night and I am able to get right back. And I think, you know, what you're saying is so important because some people might get up and then create a whole cascade of thoughts in their mind about how wrong it is, how bad it is, maybe, you know, and then they go to the bathroom and they flip on the light or they do something else and they don't realize how that stimulation of light is like exacerbating that, that wakefulness. And like you were saying, throwing off the cycle. So what the mask does for me is to create that or enhance that darkness so that my body knows, okay, this is, it's not time to get up yet. <laughs> like, and then if I, you know, organize my thoughts with the help of maybe the acupressure point, you know, like that certainly um, may be a factor in helping like, okay, I'm, I am in the middle of the night and I will fall back to sleep. That sounds miserable to wake up at two and get, like go back to sleep right when you got to basically face the day. That sounds awful. So I'm really glad that you found a solution to that. So, you know, the impact of light in general, I think is not widely respected enough. And so thank you for providing a, a solution to a problem of technology, which allows us to do cool things at night. Like people can operate and do like whatever emergency things they need to do at night, but let's keep it in balance. And this is a tool that I found to really help me maintain that balance. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's interesting is you know, I've done it too. I mean, I'm sure we've all done it. You wake up in the middle of the night, the first thing you can do is reach for your cell phone, right? So you either want to look and see what time it is or you're up and, you know, like I'll go read the news at two o'clock in the morning, which is insane. <laughs> terrible. No, it's terrible. Um, and the, the really interesting part of that is it's not just light. You're absolutely right about the light portion of it. 
But in this particular instance, it's blue light. And I think a lot of people are aware of this notion of blue light. Blue light is not blue in color. It's a wavelength. It's a spectrum. But that has a particularly noxious effect on your sleep cycles. So blue light mm -hmm. actually reduces melatonin release into the system by half. So mm. it's melatonin that is helping us to fall asleep. And that's the light-dark cycle. So darkness promotes the release of melatonin. Melatonin helps us relax and sleep. So when there's light, we don't get melatonin release. Blue light, we get half as much melatonin release as when we're just exposed to regular light. So that's a serious mm. problem. So when people are looking at tablets and cell phones in the middle of the night, that's exacerbating things. This is where the sleep mask can come in. It blocks the light, even without the acupoint. It, it just blocking mm -hmm. blue light is gonna help you get back to sleep. Yeah, well, that's why you were wearing your <laughs> blue blockers at Pickleball last week. Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if anybody's listening, we would like our outdoor sessions all with fall on um, winter. I'll do winter. It's not a problem. Hello, my vibrant fitness friends. Just a small break to tell you about something so exciting. And you may have even heard it on one of our past episodes. Hydrogen, molecular hydrogen is a powerful health enhancement tool. And the device that I'm using right now, Holy Hydrogen, the Lourdes Hydrofix, studies have shown that therapeutic benefits for cancer, diabetes, digestive, and heart issues, essentially every organ and system in the body can benefit from molecular hydrogen. Visit holyhydrogen.com to see the latest technology that elevates your immune system, fights inflammation, and increases your vitality. This is not medical advice because I'm not your doctor, but if you have any health concerns, I strongly recommend that you learn more about molecular hydrogen. Get educated at holyhydrogen.com or episode two of season six on Think Fit Be Fit and order the best hydrogen generator known to man. Use code Think fit 100 for $100 off your order. So speaking of, mm -hmm. what about sports performance? And fit, like you mentioned it a little bit. Um, I used to, you know, run a, a program at a local soccer club here. And I used to consult with all types of families on their child's pains and muscle tightness things that they felt were holding them back or if they were coming back from an injury, I would, I would help them and their coach get back. And I would always, you know, I would say, well, how, how's your, you know, nighttime routine. If you're trying to get back to sports, like there's real, there's a significant drop off in athletic performance. If you're not getting, if you're getting like less than seven hours or, you know, something like that. And, you know, people just uh, were, you know, they would give me this look of like hopelessness um, because they're like, well, they got to study. And I don't know. 
You have you have a teenager. You have any wisdom? <laughs> you have any wisdom for us? Help. Help. <laughs> um, my lessons were hard learned. My my kids are <laughs> my son's thirty one and my daughter's twenty nine. So they're they're uh-huh. they're still a pain in the neck. But so I can't give you any words of wisdom there. But what's interesting <laughs> about the sports performance side and just recovery in general. One of the things that we've discovered is that we don't necessarily have to limit the use of these masks to to sleeping at night. That they're Mm. actually a very good short-term relaxation device. So Mm. now there's some suggestion that even 20-minute power naps are very beneficial to people. And when you think of it in an athletic and performance context, allowing athletes to just get a nap is really restorative. Mm. And so using this type of a sleep mask with a stress-reducing device and a calming device, this actually produces calm and relaxation, can help you in a napping environment. So we also, we have customers uh, spas, for example, we we have a, a relationship with the Ritz Carlton and, and with their spas. They use the masks in their spa treatments because mm. it helps their clientele to relax during the spa treatment, which gives them an even greater effect. So, mm. just short-term use for sort of instantaneous relaxation and restfulness and recovery is very useful. I will say one thing that really surprised me, but this I think will still be useful for people to know. I thought that there was an acute effect of sleep on, let's say, strength gains and performance. And there isn't. So in other words, Mm -hmm. if I do a randomized controlled study and I have one group that gets eight hours of sleep a night and another group that gets six hours of sleep a night, and I put them on strength training programs or fitness programs, they're both going to get the same result over the six to eight to 12 weeks. So there's no real acute effect of sleep on performance, but there is a residual effect. So for people that are tracking performance over a longer period of time, especially endurance athletes, those mm-hmm. people who aren't getting enough sleep start to see their performance drop over time so the effect of sleeplessness on athletic performance is more residual than acute. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I would have thought the opposite. Um, well, not the opposite. I, I would have thought acute was going to be affected sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, because we have people comment about their, their sleep scores or their whoop scores or um, I, I use the HRV tool that with NeuroPeak, which is a breathing tool. And I get scores for breathing. I mean, getting scores is very handy, I will say. But um, yeah, so I would, yeah. And we always ask, you know, a few of our clients, so how's your, you know, how was your score? Like anything like significant, like, you know, kind of come, come out to you. And um, sometimes it seems like, you know, yeah, that, um, getting, getting data for sleep over a couple weeks period is much more worthwhile, you know, to give you input or feedback than like the day-to-day sleep score. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, people, you know, we're shifting into this discussion about data. Data are very valuable, but we can overuse them too. It's sort of like if you're Mm -hmm. trying to lose weight, do you really want to get on the scale every day or morning and night? I mean, as human beings, there's a variability to our, our behavior. I'm calling it behavior. Uh, Mm-hmm. If you're if you're tracking weight, maybe once a week is a reasonable cadence for measurement because you're going to get fluctuations on a daily basis. Sleep is mm-hmm. the same thing. Like, you know, you get your sleep score one one night depending on which unit, you, which device you use. Uh, one night you get an 88. The next day you get a 92. What's the difference between an 88 and a 92? Can you feel it? Mm-hmm. Can you sense it? Do you really get it? it? It's telling you something. But to look at that daily variability and think that there's a message embedded in that is probably not going to help you. So mm. I think you should look at those scores as a composite, as an average weekly value. What is the average from week to week? So the daily fluctuations, the normal daily human variability will factor in there. And then on a week-to-week basis, you can look and see how things are changing. And that's probably more valuable. But on the contrary, I have, you know, worked with people that do develop healthier habits when they are interested in their sleep score. And they're like, oh, that glass of wine at even 6 p.m. is is not helping me. You know, I've, I've noted, I, I see a, a remarkable difference. It's because they needed so, two glasses of wine, not one. <laughs> I <rented> them. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Let's like kind of look at the bigger picture perhaps with just technology and health and you know, fitness all together. I mean, so 10 years ago when you got in, I mean, you've been in the fitness industry for decades. So, but 10 years ago, you said you were more leaning more towards technology and working with companies that are tech focused. Mm -hmm. Do you think we're in a good place with technology as like an industry or are there things that you would like to see change? That's a great question. I Mm -hmm. think we're in a great place with technology. I think what, what I've always said is our ability to understand the human system and the way it functions is entirely dependent on our ability to measure it. So, mm. you know, when I started my career way back when, uh, when we were doing motion analysis, we were capturing movement with an eight millimeter camera and processing and developing the film and then running the film over a light box and drawing stick figures and then drawing <laughs> stuff. That's how, I know you're laughing, but I actually did this. So I think I was- I, mean, I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and this was prehistoric. It. I think we had a cave set up somewhere with a light box. <laughs> Angela's, uh, she loves taking like posture pictures and gate videos. <laughs> She's going to do that. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's how we did it. <clears throat> when I wrote my master's thesis, there was no laptop. We had a mainframe. I mean, there was no such thing as a as a- laptop or notebook computer. So the technology that has 
evolved over time is extraordinary. And even when I was running the Cybex Research Institute, we had a biomechanics research lab in there. We had a 16 camera, infrared camera motion capture system. So mm. we were doing some really cool things. But now you could take a cell phone with a monocular camera and get reasonable pose estimation. So the, the technology is advancing to the extent that we're able to extract data in a way that we never could before. So in that respect, I think technology is doing wonders for our ability to work within our environment because we're learning more. The more information we get, the more we know, the more we can understand what's going on with our state. Here's the problem side of it, though. It's not so much in our ability to measure, but what are we doing with this information once we create it, right? Once we acquire data and create metrics and values and information. And this is where I think we go sideways. I think the industry is developing tech for tech's sake. It's wowing people <laughs> with this ability to do all these incredible things, but the question is, so what? And I'll give you an example. So Apple Watch, you know, and maybe I shouldn't have used their name, but the new Apple Watch, <laughs> besides <clears throat> tracking running, if you're a runner, you can track your pace, you can track your distance, which is all really cool stuff. It now gives you the ability to measure your stride length. So you're running and it tells you your stride length is 1.2 meters. And my question is, okay, so like, what do I do with that information? If I'm not a biomechanist, if I'm not a track coach, if I'm not a, a, a real serious, hardcore, scientifically based runner, what do I do with that information? How is it actionable? How does it help me to change what's going on with my running? Should it be longer? Should it be shorter? Why? What are the conditions that factor into that decision? If you have patellofemoral pain syndrome, runner's knee, then you should shorten your stride length. So that could be a useful tool for getting to a stride length that is helpful to that condition that you're experiencing. But of course, if you want to run at the same pace, then you have to increase mm -hmm. your cadence. If you shorten your stride, you got to make more strides to cover the same distance. So that all has to change. So where is that information coming from? How is it helping the runner to perform better just by virtue of the fact that they know what their stride length is. And so I use that as, you know, sort of a general anecdote to say, when you're looking at all these data, you have to ask yourself, so what? What does it help me mm -hmm. to do? What can I do as a result of knowing this? Not what did I do, but what should I do? What can I do? What do I do next? And I think that's where a lot of these tech devices fall way, 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 way short. The other thing that I'm seeing, mm. and then I'll pause for a second, is a lot mm -hmm. of the motion capture stuff that's coming out. All the machine vision devices that are coming out are heavily focused on technique. And that seems to be something that is an emergent of our functional training environment that has been really driving the industry over the last two decades mm. you have to do the right technique here and we are again yeah right <laughs> and 
this just doesn't sit well with me. Everybody has their own mm -hmm. solution for motor problems. And just because mm -hmm. we train some technology to recognize a movement pattern, to then go back to the end user and say, nope, that pattern's wrong, that's really irresponsible because people can move mm -hmm. in infinite ways to accomplish things and to suggest that there's a way to do it is really ridiculous. So a lot of these technique-focused yeah. applications to me are just, they're ineffective because whose technique are we talking about? So that's where I yeah. think we've also gone a bit off the rails. Yeah, we've been talking to different people and we came in the, to this season with our hope that uh, we'll, we'll be able to, you know, locate technologies and that, you know, enhance the learning process or enhance the healing process, enhance the the you know a performance state of the body without overburdening it with yeah too many details and and I definitely agree that that's irresponsible to I don't I, I put ideas I put you know a nociocept you know a, a negative outlook on someone's movement you know when it really at the end of the day doesn't matter so okay <laughs> uh, but that also reminds me of. Um, this so on at, on Wednesday mornings I take a class at Lifetime. It's called Alpha Strength. It's kind of like a barbell strength and conditioning. I really enjoy it because I've I've actually invested in my own Olympic lifting technique, and I you know Bowie's mom is pretty good <laughs> at some power cleans. Okay, anyways, the guy next to me oh oh I try I try not to watch. <laughs> but you know i look at it and i'm like you know power cleans uh he i think you know once you try to go overhead that is a problem that would might be a problem but i don't know i guess eh, you know a, a 10 minutes of trying to one rep max your power clean with horrendous form according to my olympic lifting uh experience <sighs> Anyways, but I mean, bless his heart. You got in and out and I hope he has a good day. <laughs> so, and, and to, according to that technology that you're talking about, probably Usain Bolt might not measure so great because he has a leg length discrepancy, he has scoliosis. So is a technology going to tell him, hey, buddy, <laughs> you ain't doing it right. You know, like, but in reality, you know, he's obviously the goat. Um, <laughs> but to, I, I totally agree that more isn't always better. It's just more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we live in a, in a society and a culture typically of accumulation and too much. And how can we, how can people use this data, like you were saying, against themselves to judge themselves, which is the opposite of being, it being useful and actionable. And can we make these technologies, this is our overarching question for the season. Um, can we make these technologies our servant instead of a, uh, you know, them being our master, which is what seems to happen if we get too neurotic about it. And speaking from someone who likes to focus in on things, 
both her and I have an intensity that's pretty, <laughs> we've learned. Well, look, that's good. I about mean, that. focus and intensity yeah. are wonderful things. And it, those are the things that really help you to accomplish your goals, right? You, you've sort of, yeah. you, you've used my favorite phrase, or at least part of my favorite phrase, and Jen's heard me say this all the time, is more <laughs> is not better. Better is better. So it's, you know, we, we are, you know, so this, we're so much into excess and what that does for us. And, and it, you're so right that we become slaves to the data as opposed to masters of ourselves by using the data it, as it relates to this, you, this person next to you doing power cleans. You know, I think mm -hmm. the, the question we have to ask is what is the overall objective, right? If, you're, if your objective is to become an Olympic lifter, right, to compete mm -hmm. at that level where the minutiae of the technique or, it, or the difference between coming in first and second or, or the difference between a lift that loses by six kilograms or wins by a kilogram then you have to be hyper-focused on the technique. So doing a mm -hmm. snatch, right, doing a clean and jerk, those, if you do the technique perfectly, you will get a perfect score. But let me offer another anecdote. I was, I created a boutique fitness uh, application for a company, and we had a coach who was in there who came from CrossFit. She was coaching one of mm -hmm. our classes. And we had our, the, the members in the class, right? So our members, they were doing, I think they were doing like push press with dumbbells. And one of the participants, when his arms were overhead, his elbows were slightly bent and they weren't quite in the right position. And she went over and corrected him. And I mm -hmm. went to her after the class was over and I said, was that necessary? And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, you corrected this guy. He's having a good time. You could see it in his face. He was smiling and really engaged and really getting into it. And you went over and you corrected him. And from that moment on, you could see everything he did was now he was questioning himself. He was wondering yeah. what he was doing. He was sort of hesitant in his movements. I said, was it necessary to correct him? And she said, absolutely. You have to keep your elbows straight. And I said, why? Well, that's the way you do it. <laughs> I mean, what do you mean that's the way you do it? Is it going to kill him to yeah. let his elbows flex a little bit at the end? Like, what's happening here? Is this a competition? Yeah. Right? It, are, are we competing against other boutiques to see who can get the straightest elbows <laughs> at the top of a push press? Yes, that's what CrossFit does. That's exactly what they do. It's <laughs> nuts. Like, who cares yeah, that his elbows were bent? What difference does it make? The guy was exercising, yeah. he's getting stronger, he's having fun, you know? So this is where this stuff goes. And I think technology is pushing people into these this mindset of precision that just is mm. irrelevant for most people. Unless you're competing at the highest levels of performance in the world, it doesn't matter. What does matter is if you do something that's going to injure you. That obviously matters. Mm. And that's where 
you know, a good set of eyes on you or even technology on you to say, hey, mm-hmm. we're measuring this. And while this bandwidth of error, and, you know, Gregory and I like to talk mm-hmm. about bandwidth of error, mm-hmm. this bandwidth of error is fine. If you're operating within these parameters, you're doing great. Once you go outside of those things, okay, let's have a conversation and make sure that you're doing things as safely as you can. But outside of that, I think the technology just pushes us to be too focused on how do I make that number change as opposed to how do I use that number to create a focus and a pattern and a process that's going to help me be better. And mm-hmm. we, we don't, yeah. we don't always do that. So mm. I think the technology has yeah. a long way to go, but it's not the tech. That's the problem. It's the people that are developing the concepts that get written into the code they're the problem. That reminds me of that um, that that project. I think I worked on it with a couple of the gals from Kinesis. There was this graduate aeronautic uh, aerospace engineer graduate student at GW, and they were competing for an exercise device on the Mars station. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! The design of this <laughs> and. He consulted with myself and a couple other colleagues because we have experience with people with arthritis and potentially helping people do some bone building with exercise. Man, it just reminds it's like the design of that was just so poor. I mean, it had, it was just like classic, like a spring loaded thing where lots of resistance at one point and then out of control at another point and, you know, no resistance at another point. So it just kind of reminds me of that, that, uh, input and consultation I did with that, that project and they didn't win. Um, (laughs) so potentially, potentially these guys are going to build some bones in Mars. (laughs) I I mean, I think a good elastic band could probably solve most of those problems, right? Or a series of elastics and maybe some cams and, you know, and if you just combine those, you'll get what you need. Anything. Well, there's going to be big money in this. So you might want to hold the. Oh, don't want to give away any (laughs) trade secrets at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, it sounds like they're yeah that there's a going to be a big station on Mars where we might be traveling and uh, advising on exercise and keeping bones healthy. I'll I'll have to I'll have to consider that. You know, one other thing that I would say. <laughs> in, in, Let me take it to a weird place. Yeah, why not? Thank you. I'll, I'll start. I'll start drawing things. Right, I'll start scribbling now. I'll come up with an idea. I think also one of the things that we were sort of missing in our tech as it relates to strength training, but it's more specifically, mm-hmm. I mean, we've got a lot of good stuff we're running as it relates to strength training. I think one of the things that's really missing is measuring load and load variances. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of it again is focused on technique or looking mm-hmm. at your form and, but there are very few devices out there that are effectively measuring force time data, right? So Perch is one that does a pretty good job of it. And that's Jacob mm-hmm. Rothman, and I know him, and he's done a phenomenal job. And that looks that just tracks bar velocity. But when you put the load of the bar in, 
then you can get all kinds of really good data out of that. And what a lot of people have lost sight of is that strength training is really nothing more than inertial training. It's learning to overcome inertia. And so that's moving mass, accelerating and decelerating mass. That's really what it comes down to. That's what strength training is. And the more effectively Mm. you can accelerate and decelerate, the stronger and more capable you are. But there are so many different ways of approaching the capacity to do that. How do we better train people to accelerate and decelerate themselves and other Mm -hmm. objects? And that comes from understanding force time data. And a lot of the tech that we use is just not doing it very effectively. It's too focused Mm -hmm. on the movement pattern and not necessarily the load and the inertia that accompanies that movement pattern. So the analogy that I use, speaking of Mars, is, you know, Mm -hmm. imagine doing a squat on the Earth and then go do the squat on Mars. It's going to be a different Mm -hmm. squat. If you're using the same amount of weight, it's going to be a very different Mm -hmm. squat, right? So that you can squat on Mars all you want, but when you get back to the Earth, you're not going to be stronger because you haven't Mm -hmm. experienced the same inertial characteristics. And I think mm-hmm. the technology has to get to that. We have to get to yeah. the to the point where systems can measure capacity and what mm-hmm. we're doing. And you can't instrument everything in the gym. It's just unreasonable. So we have to have systems and the technology has to be designed in such a way that allows that kind of data capture uh, so that we can really track performance, which is, how well do we accelerate objects is really, and, and that's, that hasn't been done yet. And by the way, that's what I'm working on. Just putting a plug in. There. Oh, so the amazing vision. That's so, that's amazing. I, yeah, the being able to, I guess, hand over like the wisdom that physics is one of the most important concepts you know, of, you know, I mean, really bettering our body. Like it, it just, I think it comes down to that. So that's, that's quite a vision. I'm excited to learn more of jazz hands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we can, oh, we can man. talk about um, that, you know, another time, but I think that is the vision is to get that because it affects yeah. everything. It affects motor unit yeah. recruitment. It affects you know, neuromuscular mm. control. It affects antagonistic muscle activity. It affects everything. So understanding how to manipulate those variables in order to create those effects in the system and and the changes that arrive from that, that's the key to me. That's the key to success. Sweet. Um, I did want to point out, like, you know, we did obviously, this was like such a, um, a cooperation of the three of us to like take this conversation in different ways. Mm -hmm. I wanted it that way, I think, <laughs> you know, um, but I just want to kind of shoot back to the, to why I think this is still about SOMO sleep. It's like, you know, you've ventured into all these different categories of technology and well health and fitness, and you and Lisa have created something uh, that's much more, what's the right word? It's, it's simple it's not, yeah, it's simple. It's elegant, um, minimalist because that like, like back to like that important point of better is better. And what's better than like high quality sleep and deep sleep. 
nothing, you know? So <laughs> I just kind of wanted to shine, uh, you know, put, put the streetlight on that and just thank you again for, you know, that we are owners of our Somo sleep mask and that go the golden retriever it's golden retriever proof and all the things. <laughs> Thank you. We do have um, one more question. Okay. That's not sleep related. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's some technology in it. Go ahead, Angela. We would like to know, sir, <laughs> what is your favorite snack? What is my favorite <laughs> snack? <laughs> I wish you guys could see his face. <laughs> yes, that's our that's our closing question for the podcast. Okay, I am assuming you're asking your other guests this question as well. So, what is my everybody's getting this question? It's a common yeah, theme. it's a common theme. Jeez, so it, it's I don't have a favorite snack, but I'll tell you what I can't live without. I can't live without <laughs> cheese. Okay. Oh, cheese! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a cheeseaholic. Yeah. Big cheese fans. I am a cheeseaholic. You <laughs> nice. can take away everything else from my plate, from my refrigerator. You can have it all. Just don't take my cheese. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh man, I'm right there with you. Um, wonderful. So, uh, how do people get? Um, their own Somo mask and where are you guys on the web and all that stuff? Yeah. So you can purchase a mask on our website. It's www.somosleepfitness.com. So S O M O sleep fitness, one word.com. Uh, we also have a lot of information up there, research studies. So if you go to our blog section, you'll see a lot of the content that we offer that explains a lot of these concepts and talks about acupressure and sleep fitness and, and so we also have a section in that there for students there's a lot of information right now about sleep in college students and how getting more sleep mm -hmm. improves your gpa which uh you know certainly would see a lot of students improve their scores if they could just get the sleep so that's our website you can see we have uh, two different styles of masks and five colors and you can order directly from mm -hmm. there if you want and if you're a business and you're looking to do more bulk ordering if that's your thing we do a lot of direct to business sales so there is a business form that you could fill out on our website that comes to us and then we contact you and we can have a conversation about how you want to do it. If you want to retail, yeah. if you want to resell the mask, whatever you want to do, we have that op option as well. Or I can go to the Ritz and get a treatment. <laughs> you can go to the Ritz and get a treatment. Right now, it's nice. uh, it, it, you'd have to go to Toronto or the Cayman Islands, or I think there's one in California. Oh, okay. So it's worth it. It's worth the trip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's fabulous. Thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait to share this with our worldwide audience. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Angela. It's been a pleasure spending time with you as usual. And hopefully we can do it again soon. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. If you're interested in further resources, check out or visit our website, thinkfitbefitpodcast.com.